in my small African-American church in Pasadena, California, where I went in the early 90s uh, while attending Fuller Seminary, I met one of the most respected leaders of racial reconciliation in our country, John Perkins. John grew up in rural Mississippi, but his parents uh, shipped him off to Southern California when one of his older brothers was killed by a white police officer. He would later on in his adult life come back to Mendenhall, Mississippi and Jackson, Mississippi to share the powerful gospel of Jesus with the African-American community there. A big turning point in his life when he was beaten almost to death by white cops in a Mississippi jail. As a white officer grotesquely rammed a fork up his nose and into his face, he saw beyond the natural and knew that there were spiritual forces of darkness strongly at work. When I was beaten in the brain in the jail in Mississippi, tortured on the floor in my own blood, I saw the damage of white folks, how it affected them. They were like animals, he said. But if I would have had that night an atomic grenade, I would have opened it like Samson. And I began to see that my reaction was as deadly as their action. And that's when I recommitted my life to God. And so he prayed. I know I was bargaining a little bit with God, Perkins recalled. I know I was pushing him a little bit, but I said to him, God, if you let me out of this jail alive, I want to preach a gospel that's stronger than my black interests. I want to preach a gospel that's stronger than my economic interests. I want to preach a gospel that can burn through these racial barriers and bring blacks and whites into the kingdom. What God gave John Perkins in that moment of torture was the ability to see beyond the natural. That beyond hate and violence of the white cop was more than flesh and blood. He was in the midst of a spiritual battle. And God would go on to grant great favor to John Perkins, who has become a beacon of light, a beacon of the gospel of Jesus and work of reconciliation and justice. In Mississippi and California, throughout our country, through the Christian Community Development Association, he set up. A few uh, weeks ago, Pastor Bill gave the State of the Union, the, the State of New Hope, our vision address, and he highlighted two people coming up out of New Hope that we're supporting now, and Mark Katzenberg preached a couple weeks ago, going to be planting a church, and Taylor Moore, Moyer, who was in the youth group here, who has going down to West Jackson, Mississippi, you know who she's going to be working with? The grandson of John Perkins. It's a small world, but we serve a big God. As we continue our Black Ops series today, we're reminded by the Apostle Paul that we essentially don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual forces of darkness. Follow along as I read our scripture for today in Ephesians 6, verses 13 to 15. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And so our big idea today is that arming ourselves 
with the gospel of peace makes us people of peace that stand in peace and spread gospel peace with a world longing for it. First of all, the gospel of peace equips us to stand in our identity in Christ. In Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17, Paul gives us this wonderful description of spiritual warfare and the armor of God that he has given us to stand in victory that Jesus has already won for us. If you remember the series before this was a short series on marriage called Submit. And I preached in that series on the the passage in Ephesians 5, wives submit your husbands, husbands love your wives. And I made the point that this passage on marriage is really a smaller passage in the larger context of what it means to be the body of Christ. And so as Paul is beginning to wrap up his message, this is right before the conclusions of Ephesians, he's beginning to just say, hey, evil is real, there's a spiritual battle, but church, be reminded of who you are in Jesus. Be reminded of what we've been saying throughout this book of who he is and who we are in our identity in Christ. I love the way pastor and author Charles Stanley summarizes this passage. He says, the message of Paul is this, we are to stand firm, grounded in the fact that we have the peace of God in our hearts. We know who we are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to prove ourselves to anybody. We know we are assured of Christ's forgiveness. We know we are loved by God, and we know that we have a secure home in heaven forever. And he goes on to say, you, New Hope, you are the one who accepts into your life the fact that Jesus is your peace. Your stance is, I am in Christ, Christ is in me, Christ is the Prince of Peace, and his peace, therefore, is resident and available to me. How important it is to be reading the word of God and to be taking it and standing on it. This would be a great phrase to write down and just meditate on. That's what the word of God is there for us, right? To hide in our hearts that we might not sin against thee. To hide in our hearts so we can know this peace. Christ, I am in Christ. Christ is is in me. Christ is the prince of peace and his peace is resident in me and available to me. Some people may think that uh, this is the only place in Ephesians that's really talking about spiritual warfare, but in verse 12 when it says uh, spiritual, uses the phrase um, heavenly realms, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, that phrase heavenly realms happens five times in Ephesians. And Ephesians 3.10 uses it and declares one of the most powerful purposes of the church. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. Do you realize what this is saying, church? This is saying that you and me, as believers of Jesus, we can declare the truth of God, the wisdom of God, into the heavenly realms where there's spiritual forces of darkness. We have that authority. We can speak into the heavenly realms and declare God's greatness. I'll never forget when this verse became so clear to me. I was at the 
point of the, the hardest spiritual battle in my life. I was in my former church as a pastor. And I'll never forget the day my youngest daughter, Faith, was here. She was graduating from preschool. And I was there over the lunch hour, and I remember not wanting to go back to church to face the heaviness of the spiritual battle. And God put um, in my mind just the picture of Sister Harriet, one of our prayer warriors, and I said, yes, Jesus, it'd be really good to pray with Harriet. And as I pulled into the church parking lot, coming back, there were three cars in the parking lot, and who walked out of the door of the church? Harriet. So we sat down at a bench and we prayed. In church, something in the heavenly realms above me broke that day. There was authority in Jesus that was declared over me. And it's not like the whole uh, spiritual battle went away, but something was broken in the heavenly realms. I felt it. I knew it. There was a change that day. Because someone took up the armor of God and said, this is what we declare into the heavens, in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus. The gospel of peace equips us to stand in our identity in Christ. Secondly, the gospel of peace equips us to live in peace. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This term, caligal, were, were military boots and one of the most important parts of a Roman soldier's outfit. They had metal spikes in the bottom, which gave them firm footing and enabled them to cross any kind of rough terrain. It's often been noted by military historians that the attention given to the soldier's boots was the secret to the great Roman conquest. But this is kind of a striking paradox, isn't it? We're talking about a soldier's armor and feet fitted with peace. Sounds real manly. But peace is one of the most essential characteristics of the messianic kingdom. What did the angels say to the shepherds? They said there's, don't be afraid. We tell you news of great joy, a Savior's born in the town of David today. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And so the ushering in of Jesus' kingdom is declared with peace. In Romans, we have one of the clearest descriptions of what the gospel is, how we're dead in sin, and how Jesus came to save us from our sin and bring us back to God. In Romans 5, 1 and 2, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Church, our hearts are restless till we find our rest in him. Pastor Bill said it, the world is longing for peace. And that's what the gospel is, to save us by his grace, to save us and bring us back into relationship, back into this peace with God, what we long for. Sometimes I forget how powerful this peace is. 
I love the bookends of peace in Philippians 4, a very common set of verses in 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is, it is such a key verse. Why is anxiety on the rise? There's a lot of reasons, but most of the time we're not receiving the peace of God that he wants to give us. But we don't want to stop right here. Many times we just stop. Oh, that's so good, the peace of God. It goes on in verse 8 to say, whatever is excellent, whatever is admirable, pure, think about these things. And in verse 9 he says, and the God of peace will be with you. So the book ends of peace, the peace of God, and the God of peace. In this section, on these three pieces of armor, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet fitted with the gospel of peace, all three of these aren't talking about concepts. The belt of truth, what is truth? Jesus is our truth. Breastplate of righteousness, what's our righteousness? Jesus is our righteousness. The peace of God is the God of peace. He's the Prince of Peace. In contrast to this amazing characteristic of Christ and what he gives us, the total absence of peace is the mark of Satan's kingdom. What is his character, his gifts that he gives to us if we receive them? Fear, anxiety, shame, doubt, on and on. Over the past few years, there have been numerous times to pray with people in in heavy situations, be it heartache, a dark presence, fear, confession of sin, whatever it is, there's a change in the atmosphere. If the peace of God and the God of peace is lifted up, then fear has to go. We just sang about it, right? And many times after praying, I will stop and just point out, do you feel that right now? Do you feel that peace? It's not what the eagle sang about. It's not peaceful, easy feeling. (laughs) I stop in that moment, and 99% of the time, people say, yeah, I feel it. And I said, that is Jesus. He's the Prince of Peace. And what was there had to go in Jesus' name. A couple weeks ago, I prayed with a woman on her 60th birthday in the hospital. And she went home to be with Jesus the next day. She got baptized last summer. And a couple of times we were able to pray in her home, struggled for most of her life with mental illness and dark forces of evil. But when we prayed, evil had to go. Peace of God came in. And as she struggled with oxygen, uh, some of the old foul language came back. And in this one sentence, there was just such a vulgarity and evil, that it was just so evident that was from the pit. 
And we prayed, and the peace of God came in again. But I was thinking about that. And then the next day, we were in our Tuesday morning prayer, prayer force here at 6.30. And as someone was praying just a simple love and worship to God, I was struck in my mind to have seen that picture of the language coming right from the pit to a heart open to God in praise and worship. That's where I want to live. That's where I want to live. God, anything in me and out of you, take it away. I don't want to walk down that path. Sometimes he gives us a picture of the unseen world. Sometimes he gives us a picture. Okay, this is where this is going. God, bring me back to you. I don't want to go there. I want to walk in this peace. I am made to live on this path with the Prince of Peace. So arming ourselves with the gospel of peace makes us people of peace to stand in peace and spread gospel peace with a world longing for it. Third, the gospel of peace equips us to share gospel peace. In Romans 10.10, Paul is referencing Isaiah 52.7 and it, it rings true to this passage today. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. It's ironic, but Satan uses fear to keep us from sharing the good news because he does not want us to experience the joy and the peace of seeing others turn their lives to Jesus. There's nothing like it. There's no high like seeing people surrender to Jesus. This past December, I interviewed Jerry Chose and Derek Ash, who had experienced breakthrough prayer, and at the end of the service testified to the miracle of God. They, they, they prayed on separate occasions in the same week, and God brought them out of darkness into his marvelous light. And at that service was a young woman who heard that message and came forward for prayer and said, I want what they have. I want that peace and joy. And gave her life to Jesus. Do we have that picture? This is Melissa and Kara Lee. And this is the story Melissa tells us. I found myself in your church in December as I was trying to save my current relationship his mother and father are faithful and felt it was the first step to having a healthy relationship. I sat in the pew feeling totally defeated. I was paralyzed, poisoned with fear, anxiety, worry, guilt, and shame. The way I was living my life was no longer working. I was trying to control everything and everyone around me. For the majority of my adult life, I relied on no one other than myself, and I was carrying what felt like the weight of the world on my shoulders. I felt completely alone. When I heard Jerry and Derek speak their stories and how they found joy and peace, I began to cry. I realized I had desperately wanted what they had found. I went to the front of the church after service and prayed and was prayed for, crying the whole time. The next week I was contacted and was set up with a mentor. As Carolee and I began to meet, I was frequently tearful, anxious, and slightly skeptical. In one of our first meetings, she said to me when I was confused and hurting, Melissa, God is your creator. He knows your heart 
and your purpose even when you don't. Trust him. That day I truly let go and let God. Every week we met, Carolee could direct me to a verse or a story that would bring me comfort and clarity. Slowly but surely, the more I spoke with God and opened my mind and heart to his messages, the blessings came. The doubt, worry, and fear I was plagued with was leaving my soul, replaced with joy and peace. And even though I didn't ask for it, I now have hope and faith. Since I started my walk with God in a friendship with Carolee, the darkness of my past no longer burdens me. I am humbled and thankful for all the gifts I have received, and I'm excited to continue growing in faith and having the opportunity to live my best life. Praise God. I'm looking over here at Melissa and Carolee. And I'm really proud of them. Because you know, Carolee, she gets a little bit of joy herself too, right? And she would write notes and just say, just share how life-giving this is. Because church, that's what we're supposed to be. Disciples who make disciples. And so Jesus, I say, do it again. Somebody today would say, I want what they have. I want that peace and joy. Church, we have over 50 people in spiritual friendships just doing what they're doing, just going through a story in the book of the Bible every week or every other week. And if you would want someone to walk with you and disciple you, or you want to to be a spiritual friend and disciple someone just reading through these stories, just write on the connection card, spiritual friendship. Leave it at the altar. Put it in the giving boxes and we'll let Jesus do it again. Three three questions for you. How are you going to let the gospel of peace equip you to stand in your identity in Christ? What's your action plan? How are you going to read his word, memorize his word, meditate on his word so you can say, I am in Christ. Christ is in me. He is the prince of peace. He is resident and available to me. Take that, Satan. How are you going to let the gospel of peace equip you to live in peace? My wife often tells me, John, I want you to respond and not react to our children. The more we live in the gospel of peace, we can stand in that peace, we can live in that peace, and we can respond rather than react. Third, how are you going to let the gospel of peace equip you to share gospel peace the world is longing for it don't hold it in here bring it with you and he'll flood your soul with more and more joy and peace pray with me heavenly father we just thank you Lord, we just thank you of of your testimonies. We just thank you that you're the God of peace. We just thank you that there's nothing like you. We just thank you that that Satan has been put on trial today and he stands accused of his real nature of fear and anxiety and shame. And we just speak into the heavenlies. We just speak the wisdom of God, the glory of God, the peace of God. That is who you are. 
And we want it, and we declare it over every individual, over every home, that there would be a turning away and a turning to you, turning away, turning to you, turning to peace, turning to the word of God and your truth, your righteousness, your peace. Have your way, Lord Jesus, and we'll give you all the glory and the honor and the, and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.